welcome everybody to Desert Dogcast. We just finished talking, recording barely 24 hours ago inside the glass. Now we're back, Desert Dogcast, talking Coyotes, big time news, guys. John Shaka out as GM. He uh, decided to leave, and it has blown up all over the la- these last couple hours. What, just initial reactions, guys. What are your thoughts on this whole thing right now? Well, I do want to say it doesn't necessarily all happen in the past 24 hours. They were key, but I think even early on, like yesterday, right after we finished recording, there was the grumblings that it was Cheka wanting to leave. Because I remember when we were talking, it was the impression that he was being forced out and how that was dumb but now that he wants to leave everything makes a lot more sense and somehow much less sense yeah and uh i mean the team kind of had to put it out there officially because like reports across even even in canada starting to come out that it was a done deal um and if the team hadn't said anything today then you just know that there would have been even more backlash than there would have been yeah, and according to those reports, he actually ter- terminated his contract 48 hours ago. So there's still some legal stuff to be wrangled out about what that means for him and for the team and where he's going to be going. We have no idea, but this definitely wasn't a, a team-led thing. They didn't want him to leave, and that's why they're, well, they're pissed. Yeah, yeah that, that, they're, they're definitely pissed is an understatement. Uh, the statement the Coyotes put out just, you know, moments ago kind of puts it into that situation. And, you know, I wouldn't have expected a statement like this to come from a professional sports team, guys. And to the gist of it, I, I, right, right now, I'm just going to read that first sentence. Or the Actually, first... Have, have James read it so then we get the fancy accent. There we go. James, go ahead and read it. I feel, I feel, I feel like used right now, but I'll do it. I'll do it for the fans. <laughs> so the first line of the statement was: John Chaker has quit as the general manager and president of hockey operations of the Arizona Coyotes. Quit being the key word in that sentence. I feel where most teams would say has resigned uh, in a bit more of a professional, neutral um, attempt. Or they have come to an understanding with something yeah. that is much less loaded than terminated contract, something like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but then it's the following paragraph that really nails home like the Coyotes' general like disappointment and I'm sensing like anger towards the man where it says the club is disappointed in his actions and his timing as the, as the Coyotes prepare to enter the NHL's hub city of Edmonton, where the team will begin postseason play for the first time since 2012. Chaker has chosen to quit on a strong and competitive team, a dedicated staff, and the Arizona Coyotes fans, the greatest fans in the NHL. <laughs> I, oh boy! I like how that sounds like a sci-fi dystopian novel. Uh, preparing to enter the NHL's hub city for the first time since 2012. It's like the text scroll of the well, next. It's Thunderdome, don't yes. you know? <laughs> Edmonton, aka Thunderdome. <laughs> Twelve teams enter, one team leaves. <laughs> oh, there we go. Uh, oh, man, I just. Just this statement, though, like, this is not a statement you'd expect. No. I, 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 I honestly, I'm, I'm pretty speechless on it. Like, it's the way, that this, the wording of it, the timing of it, like, like, like what the statement said, you know, this happened just, you know, they were supposed to leave today or tomorrow and to Edmonton for, start to get into the Stanley Cup. Like, I, why I'm pretty now? sure they're leaving today. And yeah, the timing of this is just terrible. Oh, it's so Absolutely bad. Terrible. I mean, uh, literally earlier in the day, Rick Tockett, like, obviously they released his own like interview talking about the team entering the bubble. And just hours later, this kind of explodes all over the internet. Yeah, it's definitely. I, I don't think anyone was anticipating anything like this. 
like right now in, in sports you always have to be prepared because it's a very small amount of people who are constantly working um you see that with gms they get hired a lot um to be second chances less than coaches but still like you go with the same pool of people this is the kind of statement you make when you don't think that you were ever going to have any dealings with a individual professionally at all like you're not gonna be asking a john chaka gm'd nashville predators in three seasons for a trade no that's a. Uh, am going to burn this bridge and salt the earth where the bridge posts were because i don't want this to ever be a thing again yeah, oh, it's yeah, pretty they're definitely, definitely sticking the knife in and making sure he doesn't work in hockey ever again, or at least trying to. Well, actually, what's interesting is so obviously Craig Craig Morgan put out a piece very like shortly after um, where Chaker actually gave his own statement, which was it was kind of like generic and thanking the team and things like that. However. Um, according to a source that uh, Craig has, it says that Chaker is not permitted to serve as president of hockey operations or GM of another NHL team for the life of his current contract, which doesn't expire until 2024. So. And from, I mean, and from the gist of it, though, from you know everything that I've been reading, it seemed like he wasn't really trying to chase another. Hockey, really, even maybe not even another sports opportunity, just some said professional opportunity. Did you? No, I don't think anyone knows what that is. Like, it's still up in the air on what he was exactly looking for when he was trying to look for that other opportunity. Yeah, in uh, in Craig's piece, he does say that the the source believes that an NHL. Uh, another NHL owner had requested permission to speak to Chaker um, about an opportunity. It doesn't specifically say that they were interested in bringing him over to the team that they own necessarily, but it did say that Alex Murillo um, refused permission for that to happen, and it seems that Chaker um, tried to convince him but wasn't successful and, I guess, then started to seemingly offload some of his duties as general manager to other people because he had kind of made up his mind that he didn't want to stick around anymore. Uh, which, I mean, I think any story right now you see where it's like John Chaka rumored to be going to this place or that place, like taking this kind of thing into consideration, like the statement that was going to be made, uh, the fact that everyone had been saying like a professional opportunity, I don't think we're going to see John Chaka in hockey and like anytime soon. Maybe um, he, you know, played hockey, uh, I believe in juniors. He, his first business was related to hockey, but he's got other things they could do. He's a Wendy's franchise owner, which some people may laugh at, but you can make a lot of money owning franchises like that. I do not believe that John Chaka is going to be hurting for a job outside of hockey. No, for sure. He's he's going to find something. And out of fairness, we should read his statement, so I'll go ahead and do that. Um, Shika's statement to Craig Morgan says, The past four years have been the most enjoyable in my life. In Arizona, I became a husband and a father while working as hard as possible to make the Coyotes a Stanley Cup contender. I love our players, coaches, staff, and fans, and I very much wish I could be with the team in Edmonton. Sadly, the situation created by ownership made that an impossibility. That's all I intend to say on this matter for now. A fuller, more detailed explanation may be necessary in the near future. Until then, I wish the Coyotes good luck in Edmonton and thank every member of our pack for the support shown to Catherine, our daughter, and myself over the years. Also, I want to congratulate Steve Sullivan as he steps into a new role. We've worked side-by-side side for years. He is a great person and a terrific hockey mind. Yes, Steve Sullivan will be serving as interim GM. Yeah, and there will be a piece um, by myself, probably with a bit of help from Rob, coming out on Five for Howling uh, either today, later today or tomorrow on why Steve Sullivan probably deserves to have a legitimate shot at uh, taking the job on permanently as well. 
yeah, I uh, yeah, I hope to contribute to that. Uh, and, and just the gist of it, probably what it's going to look like is, you know, for me is just, you know, I got a chance to see Steve Sullivan down in Tucson. You know, I think he's done a phenomenal job helping um, with with the team down there. Obviously, you saw how, you know, they were they built a playoff team in their second year and the, you know, division champions this last season. So I mean, he, I mean, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he knows what, what to look out for with with these uh, the talent. So I think he's. Uh, Good choice for at least that, no obviously right now for interim and hopefully gets considered for that take that interim title away and get the full time title. And what's interesting about him as well is he played for the Coyotes briefly um, at the end of his career, um, but also he's actually been with the organization since 2014. Like he's been around since before Chaker was even with the team. So he's done a lot of things. He's very familiar with the Coyotes organization uh, through different ownerships. Um, he's had some great stability over the last three years as assistant GM um, and as GM of the Roadrunners. So it seems like he could be in the ideal place to really, you know, make the jump up. Yeah, he was um, always working development, um, and I wish the Coyotes were less far along in the rebuild where we were going to potentially be bringing up more players they would have more experience with, but I I think he's had a good eye. I've been impressed with what's been happening in Tucson for a very long time. I think as much as Don Maloney can get credit for drafting Connor Garland... Um, which how much credit you want to give him remains your personal well, option. It was confirmed by Craig that Connor Garland was actually a Shika draft pick. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, or Jacob, you could absolutely give him credit too. Uh, but I think you have to give Steve Sullivan a lot of credit for developing him in Tucson because he would yeah. be one of the people that Connor would be talking to when he evolved his game into what it is now. Yeah, and he struggled his first year too. So, and yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure Steve Sullivan was a big part of him getting over those struggles. But yeah, should be very, very interesting. Um, well, life as a Coyotes fan is never boring. We know that. <laughs> it wouldn't be, you know, a season or a summer without Coyotes drama. Yeah. And especially Coyotes drama when the NHL doesn't want it to be happening. <laughs> this is true. I, I swear we had like an ownership drama like the week before the uh, Vegas team was revealed or something like ridiculous no, no, recently. No. That was actually the Doan drama. Oh, yes. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Gosh. I mean, it just seems that, I mean, you've seen like the fans reaction to this news and they're kind of like, why always us sort of, sort of thing. So you got, you got to really feel for the fans at, at this time. I mean, especially because, um, you know, kind of going back to what we were saying earlier with that timing is a lot of these fans were super excited to watch their team head in, head in to watch the playoffs. Like it's, you know, it's just, just such a strange. Yeah. Yeah. It is not the worst thing a long-time Coyote fan would have witnessed, but not a distraction that you would welcome. Because at the end of the day, it is that. There's nothing that Jacob was going to be doing in Edmonton, as far as we know. Maybe doing a bit of wheeling and dealing if he had a really good relationship with some of the players, talking to them. But it's kind of the job of a GM at that point. This is only a distraction. And there is no reason it should affect the play on the ice. There's no reason it should affect like anything moving forward until we get to like the draft. And I think that's why everyone's very frustrated about this. I mean, there's also that you know, with the bigger rosters, kind of decisions with the with with, with hockey personnel. Obviously, a lot of that is going a lot of that is also going to be Taka's decision. But you know that. The GM does generally get to say in that, and I think well, we'll see what you know what kind of role Steve Sullivan does play as the team heads up to Edmonton today. 
Yeah, and the big question as well is, is how soon do the Coyotes make a decision as to whether or not he's going to be the guy moving forward because they still have Taylor Hall to kind of contend with. And and from what I've been reading, it seems that Chaker almost like handed over that responsibility to um, the new CEO. Um, does he continue? Yeah, Javier Gutierrez. Does he continue to... Uh, engage with Hall or do, do they decide maybe we'll see who we can get in as GM and let them kind of have a go at it I mean, well I'm, I, from what it probably seems like is obviously Steve Sullivan's going to stick around until the end of it until the end of the season you know however far they go through the, the playoffs whether or not they win the cup um, and Afterwards, I think that's when they start to revisit everything. They're like, okay, do we, want, do we want to keep you on as the interim? Do you want to keep you in Tucson? What's kind of – what are our options here? And obviously, they had to go through – it's going to be a full-on process because there are a million different things that go behind those office those office doors that I – you know, that a lot of us can't really say because obviously we're not behind those doors. Uh. I, w- I kind of hope they keep him on long term just because I don't imagine him going back to Tucson. Like, if you bring in a new GM, they're eventually going to yeah, want their I'd, own staff. I'd imagine so as well. And, and I think that's one of the, another one of the reasons why they would uh, – I think he'd do a phenomenal job. Because like you were saying earlier, is, you know, he's, been in the, he's been in the organization for, for such a long time that he, he, he knows the Coyotes organization. He knows all the players. He he knew what the plan was too, and was helping Shaika to carry it out as assistant GM. Yeah. And it, and if you look at it too, a lot of the you know there there are several players on the Coyotes who have already spent previous previous time in Tucson. So and potentially more in, uh, next season if uh, Capo Bianca finally comes up. Hopefully he develop he develops well enough to. Uh, Spend a longer time up there. We'll see that. Well, there also has to be a spot for him, but if they actually manage to re-sign Hall after all of this bullshit, um, then they're going to have to move some veterans out. It might be somebody on the back end. It could be. Yeah, you got to wonder, like, (laughs) I mean, with Chaker in in charge, you kind of – knew what the team was going to be doing moving forward roughly you had an idea but now it's kind of like gosh what direction are they going to go now (laughs) yeah and is hall gonna like the way that the team issued that press release because by all accounts he liked what shika would do with um, sports medicine and recovery and all of that so i don't know how I, he's gonna feel about that? I, I hope Hall doesn't t- take negatively of that release. I think, from my perspective, it's it's definitely a heat of the moment type of thing. He, if, even if he does have a good relationship with Jacob, I hope it's not like treated as an insult. And I hope that the team would take that into consideration, like what his relationship is with the former GM, like, and all of the players, really. If he was a popular guy in the locker room, you don't want to be trashing him too much. I just wanted to um, highlight a tweet by Greg Wyshynski that I think um, <laughs> is uh, is quite, quite, quite funny and interesting. He said, I've never seen a team more upset about a general manager leaving who needed a global pandemic and playoff expansion to get his team into the postseason? Yes. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, kind of sums it up well. It, it definitely That's not really fair though, because we don't know where they would have ended up if the season had continued. I mean, they the had way that they were going. It wasn't great. games left, and most of them were at home. Yeah, that is true. I it, it felt like during Chaka's time something wasn't clicking and I was always curious to see what it was going to be what the first shoe was going to drop was it going to be Chaka is relieved of duty is it going to be his talkit relieved of duty where does that kind of put the team at that point it, it feels almost anticlimactic to have it end like this where it's just like now we're never going to really know if the Chaka experiment 
worked. I was very curious to see what the team was going to be like, what the contracts were going to be like, and now I don't know. Uh, 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 believe me, Carl, uh, obviously, you know, we we can say that we it's kind of hard to tell from our perspective, but there's that perspective of the, you know, the anti-analytics group who are going to go off and say, see, we were right. He was never the big, he was never a good fit for the team anyways, and they're just... It, it, oh, they're going to completely treat it as a referendum on the analytics itself. The problem with that is that the analytics community doesn't actually claim Shika anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> It doesn't really work because they don't know what what statistics and stuff that he was looking at. And there have been multiple articles written about how Shaika isn't an analytics guy long before that any of this ever happened. True. Yeah. And a lot of the contracts that he like has handed out, a lot of people have written about how they don't really fit the mold of his supposed statistics based uh, approach. Which I kind of like a lot of the contracts. Uh, I think I am going to be in the minority about that moving forward. But of the four big ones that he signed, um, Clayton Keller, Christian Dvorak, um, Jacob Jacob Chikrin, Nick Schmaltz. I think Schmaltz, Dvorak, and Chikrin all had great seasons last year keller wasn't yeah. bad chicken's developing into a excellent defenseman and he is signed in a very team handly team friendly cap hit for the next what six years yeah so- i know keller's is the big question mark and i suppose we can always use that on the referendum of john chica's time here is whether or not it works out but i mean Technically, his deal hasn't even kicked in yet. <laughs> but when it does, it jumps up to over seven million, and he kind of needs to prove that he's worth that. Because if he can only put up like forty, maybe fifty points a season, yeah, that's a that's a big one. Right, but it was always a projection contract. It was always a risk because he thought that the cap was going to go up. <laughs> Yeah, so many teams did. (laughs) Yeah, so many teams were banking on the cap jumping. Like there were early projections, like in like January, where the cap was going to go over like six, seven million. And (laughs) even days before, everyone thought it was going to end up being like, oh, it's going to be like eighty three, eighty four million, and it ends up being like a whole like two million less. He was like, right, yeah. So I mean. How was he supposed to foresee a pandemic that nobody else saw? No. Yeah. Governments included. Yeah, I do agree, though, with Carl on the other three contracts. Like, having uh, Chikrin signed for 4.6 until 2025, like, that is an exceptional deal, especially with how well he performed this year. And he's really started to show that he can be, like, that top guy that the team needs long term. Yeah, I I agree. So, um, we'll we'll wait to see on Clayton Keller. But hey, he looked good in camp. We're gonna make judgments about that, right? He was the oh, highest sure. scorer in the camp. <laughs> I mean, he was still the team's top point producer last season as well. Like, he's he's a good player. That's but, gotta I mean, be something. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, he's not cracked more than forty-seven points so far. And yeah, if if he's the top points producer every year, then yeah, fine. Fully deserves that seven million because someone's got to do it. But we kind of have to hope. To go up. Yeah, you kind of have to hope that someone that's earning over seven million dollars can eclipse fifty points. Yeah, a bit no. more. You would try, you you would think so. I completely get that. But I think we would also need more than one person to hit 20 goals in the season. Would be good, too. I mean, Keller was on pace to score more than 20 goals before uh, before the season shut down. So that's, uh, you know, another positive. Yeah. So Coyotes win the Stanley Cup and Keller gets the Conn Smythe and then everyone deletes their Twitter accounts, right? 
That's exactly how it goes. <laughs> that's that, that's kind of the rule, right? Just delete your bad takes. Uh, don't don't up to them. Just delete. Or, or all we gotta do is before but b- before they do, you know it's all deleted. We gotta get freezing cold takes to go, to make sure that they're exposed. Yeah. So it's, 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 so it's, in, it's there permanently. Uh, I mean, we pretty much all had a take last week that this was a terrible thing that that organization was doing, and the new CEO was getting blamed. So it seems only fitting that there's just bad takes throughout. Honestly, we still don't know that he doesn't deserve blame because we don't know exactly what happened. True. Yeah, very that's the true. thing. It's all a lot of very he said, she said at the moment. And I mean, the Coyotes very much have made it clearly that Chaker's in the wrong. And then Chaker's statement has kind of put blame on the ownership. So it's kind of like neither side is happy with the other right now, it seems. And things are definitely a bit heated. So it's going to be interesting to see if anything like sort of comes out of the woodworks later on. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it's Arizona, and Arizona drama sells everywhere, so I, I would not be surprised if we get more information. Just, just watch. The, the Coyotes are going to get, you know, they're going to get past the first round, and then they're, you know, they're, ne- they're like in the middle of the next round matchup, uh, Craig Morgan's going to get another insider uh, NHL source that's going to give him a, a bunch more information, and we're just going to be like, oh, crap. <laughs> Here we go again. I mean, I kind of feel like that happened this time. Like a story about Jacob being absent from a meeting with Hall morphed into this in under a week. And I honestly think both people would have been both sides would have been happy if like they're just like look we get it, we're gonna keep it under the table and, and we'll do we'll figure something out, but it just had to get out yeah it kind of snowballed and like exploded almost like so like at a very surprising rate to be fair like i mean it was literally like thursday was supposedly when the the dinner happened right so i mean it's been within like four or five days and it's literally gone off the rails yeah, we can blame Craig Constance and Elliot Friedman for reporting on the dinner and Chica not being there, which started all of this. It's their fault. <laughs> and then uh, Friedman also reported that he was missing from Friday scrimmage and that his office had been cleared out. So, yeah. Yeah. Damn those pesky insiders. <laughs> but as always... With Coyotes news, until you hear it from Craig Morgan, it ain't true. Very true. <laughs> Everyone has to wait from the gospel of Craig. Right, and speaking of Craig, we should mention the the website for that he's um, running now is azcoyotesinsider.substack.com. If you want to subscribe, you can do anywhere from $5 a month to uh, a $60 yearly subscription. Or more if you want to. Or more if you prefer. Uh, we we do retweet a lot of Craig's stuff, so it'd be great if you could give him money if you haven't already. Uh, Make sure he can keep covering the team the way he does so well. Hundred percent, he is definitely the best like Coyotes reporter out there. And from and from and from his uh, from his follow list, seems like he's a he's a fan of Five for Howling, so he likes us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I will say that his article has the best quote I think I've read related to hockey in a very long time. John Chaika is a liar and a quitter, the source said. What, an, what a headline right there. Yeah. The example of Craig's writing, his report on this is currently open. Don't know how long it'll stay that way. Yeah. Oh, I feel like he's left it open because it's in the in the public interest to know <laughs> what's going on. And there is definitely no beating around the bush with that that specific quote, is there? He used that quote in his tweet. So yeah. 
that, that is, is one of those things. If if I had been told that, I would have been like, "Yep, that's good." Like right at the the that's article that, title. Like... Yeah. <laughs> that's my headline. Nothing else is important. <laughs> I don't think we are ever going to see anything that blunt and angry for a very long time. Well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the GM of the the stars called his players horseshit. Oh, true. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love hockey, hockey man. <laughs> oh, I know. But that's directed at your players. You're allowed to be mean to them at a, to a certain degree. Uh, yeah, being mean to them is supposed to be inspiration, right? You're like, you suck. Come on, play better. What was that, what was funny about that was he actually called out like their two best forwards in, in, in Ben and Sagan as well. Not even like I mean, some third line. There. And they weren't even that horseshit. No, they're, they're like the best players on the team. He's it's like, you Edmonton Oilers owner say, calling out Tobias Reader for not scoring enough goals and saving their season. That was, <laughs> Didn't score a single one, right? <laughs> did not score a single goal that season. But I, I don't think his 20 goals would have made much of a difference if you're missing the playoffs. Uh, or not even 20, like 12 or 12. 15. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, though, to tie it in with the topic that we were having, like we had on Inside the Glass just yesterday. I absolutely love when, you know, official like hockey officials go off the rails and, you know, are completely honest, you know, and I'm just like, you know, I, I appreciate that, you know, kind of like I like yeah, I had the same, you know, part of me says, all right, you may you could have toned that down a little bit. But the other part of me is like, you know what, you know, that's real talk. Like, it's true. I do prefer personality over boringness. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's something that hockey like is really struggled with. Like you interview players and they give like the cliche responses, a bit like how Rob was saying yesterday with his uh, interview with Mike Van Ryn and how he actually spoke honestly. It's very rare to get that in hockey, and I think that's why everyone's enjoying this whole fiasco just that little bit more than they should. <laughs> No, people are enjoying it because they they love drama, and, and this is Arizona has always peaked drama, but this is just another level of drama. That's that's damn sure. I think the worst part about it is that it was all completely unnecessary. I don't know who's in the wrong here, but somebody definitely is. I mean, the, this uh, anonymous NHL source. Is what got this really to blow up. Like this, this like you're just like, oh, a source tells me this, and I'm like, you're just like, okay, here we go. This is going to get out of hand real fast. And yeah. you've got to, you've got to wonder who this source is because I mean, if Craig is putting it out there, then he's got to trust this source like very explicitly. And if also, looking- important. Important enough of a person to keep anonymous too, because that person wants to keep their job. And if you're looking at the same person who did uh, was a source for Elliot Freeman, which is no guarantee. People have multiple anonymous sources. There's someone within the organization who can at least walk by GM Jacob's former office and be like, "Yep, that's empty." Yeah, that's very true. I know a lot of people don't like anonymous sources. A lot of uh, people who follow journalism don't like it. But as a, uh, it's necessary. As a journal, as a former journalism major, I can say it is absolutely necessary in in, in many cases. You gotta protect people in their jobs, otherwise you'll you'll never find out anything. Yeah. Uh, we have very few anonymous sources. I think none right now here at Five for Howling, but we have in the past and. Yes, it is. You get a lot of information, and there's a lot that you get that you're not allowed to tell people. Um, but it gives you a lot of context into what actually is going on. I remember going back to uh, when I was working for a different site covering college ball. We had anonymous stars talk about a you know a player and his family, and we published it. And that was a almost seemed like an ethical violation though, because that was that was some crazy crap that went down and we're just like 
I like at that time I was like, I should probably take a step back from these guys because this is going to get out of hand. Yeah. Yeah. At some point, you've got to have some ethics regarding whatever's being fed to you. Unless it's in, like imperative that people know, and there are definitely, I think this past off season we've learned that there are stories that we probably should have known in advance um, when really bad stuff happens. But more often than not, like the stuff that you're not allowed to tell people, they don't need to know. Uh, they think that they want to know, that they need to know, but it does not affect them um, in a way that if it gets out, it's going to negatively affect people. You mean yeah. like naming the players who have COVID? <laughs> Don't yes, even get huh? me started on Steve Simmons, Jesus. <laughs> <sighs> I'm sorry, I should preface that by saying naming the players who have COVID without their permission. Yeah. Yeah. Although I mean, it's funny is the fact that I was able to say something about anonymous things and we aren't even talking about the one that I was thinking about. Ah, oh, man, a lot has really happened. I was more thinking about the the reports of player abuses that came out, and that should have been something that is done oh, yeah. immediately. But um, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Um, Rick Westhead had a whole story on a, a lawsuit about um, players being hazed and abused in the. CHL, the Canadian Hockey League, which is the junior leagues, the OHL, WHL, QMJHL, whatever it is. Yep. All that fun stuff. Which is literally like 16-year-olds, so like children, like legally. Yeah. The youngest players can be 15 if they've been given exceptional status and the oldest players are 20. And apparently that's really not a good age range to not have some controls on them, guys. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Uh, yeah. yeah. It's now like I, as a 15 to 20-year-old male, never saw other 15 to 20-year-old males be dumbasses and abusive and think hey i should make sure that these people are more supervised and not let them do lord of the flies-esque shit yeah let's go back to john chaka love random tangents yeah that was definitely one of the random ones and one that we are not going to dive deep into today because we cannot give it the full extent that we need to um, do we do we want to try and talk about his legacy well I mean he has literally constructed this team only two players I believe uh, Richardson and OEL are hangovers from um, before his time on the team every other player that is on this team has been either traded for or signed or drafted by um, Chaker. Um, technically, he re-signed Richardson, so that would be one of his as well. Ooh. And re-signed OEL? To- technically, then. Technically. He could have yeah. let go. <laughs> I'm sure with a lot of people, they'd rather he did, based off of the complaints by his contract we hear. But, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, once once we found out that he had been injured for the majority of the year, I think that kind of put things into perspective with OEL. So I'm hoping that we see a much better uh, performance from him heading into the play-ins. Yeah. Um, back when we thought that he was getting fired, I did try and do like a preparing an article about his leaving and the impact he had on the team which is going to eventually get reworked into something else that's me less bitchy about him getting fired because that's not what happened but it is astonishing to look at the team and just go down the list and be like yep he did this he did this he drafted him he traded this pick the coyotes move to acquire a player that's either on LTIR um, or has left the league um, in the case of Datsuk like that was started by Maloney it was perfected under Cheka oh yeah I believe that was actually a Cheka suggestion to Maloney when he was assistant GM 
Yeah. If only he could have gotten something better than... Steve Downey? No, was it... I thought it was... For... Whatever. Uh, Nicholas Grossman. Oh, okay. The, the not worth acquiring whoever cap hit we got from Philadelphia. But yeah. Uh, it's The Coyotes are going to be John Chaka's legacy for the next three seasons. There's no way around that. Especially since a lot of these guys are, you know, I mean, you have a lot of the, the draft picks that he got, you know, super young guys who have turned out to be, you know, quite, quite decent players. Huh? Oh, yeah. And I mean, you look, you were talking, um, you mentioned like the Datsuk trade. I mean, that Datsuk trade got the team Jacob Chikrin. Like, that's, that's a pretty good pretty good trade fairly early on and I mean the very according to Cat Friendly the very first trade um, that Chaker did um, officially with the Coyotes saw Ooh, them hang on let me guess oh uh, yeah Alex Gorgowski's, uh negotiating rights for a conditional fifth round pick you are yeah, correct there. Nice. well done very Thank first you. one and you know still on that team <laughs> Like, Still on that team, had one of the best seasons of his contract just last oh, year, yeah. which is surprising for an aging defenseman. Yeah, Still he on was that really team. good. Still on that deal. Yeah. yeah, still on that deal. Still got another full season. Gosh. But yeah, he had a really good season actually this year. Uh, yeah. And I uh, think. I mean, especially with that being his first move, and Golgoski definitely be a very polarizing player for the fan base, less so than Keith Yandel, but I think in that same, people aren't sure whether to like him or hate him, because um, offensive defenseman. Uh, I, I think that is one of those moves that is just pure Jacob. And I am a fan of that signing. I'm a fan of Golgoski. Um, and yeah. I would have liked to see more. Yeah, I mean, you look at some of the trades that he's done um, for the Coyotes, and some of them are really impressive. Stepan. Yeah, Stepan and Ranta uh, for D'Angelo in the seventh overall. Um, I mean, Chalmerson for Connor Murphy and Lauren Dauphin. Like, that's an excellent trade right there. Justin Demers for Jamie Duke McGinn. <laughs> that one is uh, my favorite. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. What about Emper for Tobias Rader? And Scott uh, Wedgwood. Yes. Oh, right, right, I forgot. The, that's second. Uh, but yeah, those are two fringe to not NHL players for a top two defenseman and a starting goaltender. Yeah, like he's had some really good trades. I mean, even the Marion Hosa trade has worked out great for the Coyotes. I mean, obviously they gave up a bunch of guys that haven't really turned into anything. Marcus Kruger was probably like the only real big name that the Blackhawks got in that trade. And they ended up with Hinostroza and Osterley, like two legit NHL players for this team in that one deal. Huh. And I think the we had, Kruger never played for us because that was the Martinook trade, if I recall. Yeah, he ended up as part of the Henestrosa deal. Yeah, that was. I think Martinook would probably be one of the few missteps that he made in terms of trading, in my opinion. Yeah, I think he was kind of forced out of budget reasons. Yeah. Also, it did appear at the time that Brad Richardson was going to be testing the waters, and you want someone kind of in that role. And when Richardson resigned, she traded Kruger, who was brought in to be that. So, yeah, makes sense. And even like even on a on a smaller scale, but still seemed to have benefit benefited the team much better was giving like trading Kevin Connaughton. Uh, to Colorado for Soderberg. I mean, Knorton spent most of the season playing in the AHL uh, with Colorado. He only played four NHL games last season. 
and uh, Soderberg was actually on pace to score 20 goals as a, more of a defensive kind of forward. So he had a pretty decent season. His trades were great. His drafting was questionable. Yeah. There's some Although, picks in there, though. Yeah. And um, it seemed to have gotten better as time went on. Um, I was it's really nice impressed. off strong with Keller and Chikrin. Yeah, that was <laughs> True. I mean, there was that. But I think last season, um, we had... Three or four players from the from that draft, including late players who were in the World Juniors. Uh, Victor Soderstrom seems ready to make the jump. Um, Matthias Michelli. Yeah, Matthias Michelli. I wrote about him um, heading back to Finland recently. Um, until uh, I guess until the Roadrunners know when their season's coming back. But I mean, his so recent his, draft thing was pretty good. So his first draft and his last draft. Were the best, but that those middle two. <laughs> what about Jan Yannick? I'm not Jan sure Yannick. how that's you pronounce your name, but I'm, yeah. I'm oh, you know what? He was in that middle middle. Part, <laughs> and we can't forget Liam Kirk, obviously. Of course. <laughs> I mean, it, it, that pick. Yeah, we can joke about it a little, um, but he is. Developing extremely well for a last round pick. Oh yeah, I mean like, and so last season he outperformed his like his debut season in juniors, and he was injured for like half the year. Like he got like there was, I was listening to an a, an interview that some friends of mine did on a British podcast, and um, he literally explained how he got injured in a game came back he then got the flu and was like out for two weeks and he had this just horrible winter that really slowed him down and then he got back like scored in his first game back started building up like his scoring again and then suddenly the the season was over because of the pandemic and it was just like he probably would have scored much more than he did if he had managed to play a full season and if he ends up in the OHL again next year, um, he's going to light it up. And I think he's actually going to be on the Roadrunners fairly soon. Well, he can be on Roadrunners at any time because he wasn't part of the uh, the CHL. So as soon as he's ready. I love those rules. Uh, Which... If he, he was, what, seventh round? And if he's able to make it to just the AHL, that's impressive. Uh, yeah. Seventh round picks, I love. I love seventh round picks. Yeah. They're the guys who, um, they have major weaknesses, but they have one strength. And if they can find a way to be average at the weaknesses and have that one strength, you can have a career. Um, not sure how far you'll get, but you could have a career as one of the best hockey players in the world, and that is not anything to sneeze at. For the heck of it, I just wanted to see if I could find who are some of the best seventh round picks. Jamie Ben. <laughs> Henrik Lundqvist, I think, was also seventh round. Goalies don't count. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Jason Demers was a seventh round pick. There you go. <laughs> Jamie Ben was a fifth round pick, actually. Oh, okay. so, not quite, but still, like to get players late in the draft, even like Connor right. Garland, a fifth round pick, he's their best goal scorer at the moment, which is crazy. Johnny Gaudreau, a seventh round pick, then? Freddie Anderson's seventh round pick. Again, Again. count. <laughs> Patrick Hornquist. <laughs> Patrick Hornick with seventh round pick, that's right. Oh, yeah. Freddie Anderson's interesting, actually, because he was drafted twice. He re entered. Yeah. Yeah, he was drafted. um, He was drafted seventh round by the the Hurricanes in 2010, didn't sign with them, re entered the draft two years later, and was a third round pick by Anaheim. So, I think oh, I missed one of my favorite players, Joe Pavelski. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I think in the next couple weeks we are going to be reading a lot of negative about Cheka because ah, we've already have obviously yeah, <laughs> we already have and it's gonna get worse i think there's a lot of people who wanted him to fail for a variety of reasons and uh i think age may be a factor in some people because he did start out as a 29 year old gm uh the youngest pro sports gm at the time and i probably think still um but his time is not a total dumpster fire. I don't think the team is in the best position right now, but they're far from the worst they've been in a long time. There are a lot of hits in in John Taker's tenure. Um, so I mean, he, he, yeah. I mean, you, let's put it this way: you you know, around that time, you know, obviously co- coming out of a you know, you're talking like deep rebuild team that's not doing so well at all, and. You know, getting to where they are now, they are you know just right, right about to enter the playoffs. So you can see the way they progressed over his over his tenure. Oh yeah, and I mean, like to to manage to negotiate a deal to get a guy like Phil Kessel that really invigorated like the mm-hmm. fan base, like that's got to be commended. And Taylor Hall to keep reinvigorating that fan base when some of the Kessel Sean had. You know, and and, and and not just reinvigorating the fan base. That the, those acquisitions were were like a sure testament that you know the Coyotes were ready to go all in and try to you know actually go for go for a, a cup run potentially. Yeah. I wish John Chica well. He did some good things for the team. Um, everything that you could say negative about him here is really just a question mark. You know, it's not that it's necessarily negative, more that it's just a question mark. We don't know yet. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll definitely wait and see. And I think on that note, we'll probably close off on this episode. And we'll talk more probably maybe over the next couple of days. We'll figure out more. And that's when, you know, you know later this week, we will go ahead and also preview the Coyotes Predator series. Maybe we'll bring in someone from uh, on the, the yeah from on the forecheck to talk some uh, some part of the series, and it should be a fun conversation. We'll see what we can do with that. But on that note, thanks for everyone to listening to this emergency episode of Desert Dogcast. We will see you guys next time. Bye. Take care. See ya.